If your business is tired of paying unpredictable and high phone bills, do what I did. Switch to Zoom Call's cloud business phone service. You'll pay the same low amount every month, no matter how many calls you have in the U.S. and Canada. And Zoom Calls has a really cool feature called voicemail drops. Whenever you reach someone's voicemail, just say hi in their name and then click a couple of buttons on your phone to leave your pre-recorded message. It saves both your voice and your time. Check out zoomcalls.com. That's zoomcalls.com. I think you'll love it. Attention, you're listening to the Todd Huff Radio Show, America's home for conservative, not bitter talk radio. Be advised that the content of this program has been documented to prevent and even cure liberalism, and listening may cause you to lean to the right. Here's your conservative, but not bitter host, Todd Huff. My oh my, Biden is, in fact, hiding, as they have been saying. And not just in his basement. Apparently, he's hiding his involvement in the Michael Flynn investigation. We'll talk about that and some other things here this morning. Welcome to the program. I am your host, Todd Huff. Email Todd at ToddHuffShow.com. You can email me your thoughts, questions, opinions, and yes, even your adoration and praise will be accepted. Kidding, not kidding. Facebook.com slash Show is where we are streaming the program this morning, and uh, you can watch us live and on demand as long as our friends at Facebook allow that to happen. It's good to be here. Thank you for joining us. So... There's a couple of things I want to get to today, and at the top of that list is who the documents have told us unmasked the identity of Michael Flynn. And so you can find this in a myriad of places. I'm looking here at the New York Post. I've also been looking at uh, the story in Fox News, but remember Biden just a couple of days ago on Good Morning America denied that he had any involvement in the Michael Flynn probe. So as information begins to be uncovered here, what we're realizing, what we're realizing is that the previous administration, as they were in the waning days, the waning weeks, the final couple of months possibly, um, of their term, you know, of their term in the White House, you know, put yourself back in that, in their position, back in that, uh, go back down memory lane. We had, we have Trump winning an election he wasn't supposed to win. We had crying Democrats and millennials and snowflakes out there screaming at the universe, ah, because Trump had won the election. We have service dogs and adult Plato. Adult coloring books, all these things to help cope. Then they come up with their strategy. They smack themselves in the face, and you begin to hear them say, Look, Trump has won this. No amount of screaming at the universe is going to undo that. We've got to come up with a strategy. And so that's what they started doing. They started to come up with a strategy to protect, to defend, to prevent against what the 
Democrats had achieved under the Obama administration. Now, I use the word achieved very loosely because what they achieved was not very good. In fact, they want to start taking credit for the economy, of course. Of course, it took it's an amazing thing. Obama, the whole time he was in office, Bush, Bush was at fault for everything that went bad. 100%. If it went bad, it was Bush's fault. It was an amazing thing. And he actually was able to win two elections, at least in part, based upon that. You remember the exit polls from 2012 uh, when he defeated Mitt Romney. People still blamed blamed Bush four years later. So Obama had blamed Bush for virtually every bad thing that had happened, which a lot of bad things happened in the Obama administration. Remember we talked about the new normal GDP of, I don't know, 1% or whatever it was. This was the new normal. The days of a roaring American economy were over. Um, Obama had basically squeezed the life out of the business community, put his boot on the metaphorical neck of capitalism, and people were, were scared of that. That is the truth. The The people who were involved in the so-called business community are were terrified. They were terrified of things like Obamacare. They were terrified of things regarding uh, bureaucratic rules and regulations. They were terrified of other costs associated with whatever utopian idea that folks like Obama and the Democrats in in Congress could dream up. They were terrified of what those costs would be for their their business. And so businesses were sitting upon huge amounts of, of cash. They were, you know, unemployment was nowhere near. Of course, we've now we're looking through the lens of, of COVID, which we've taken massive economic hits because of this. But it's specifically because of COVID. It's not because of policies as bad as Obama, excuse me, Biden. Of course, you could call him old Biden Obama if you follow his line of reasoning. But Biden wants you to believe, the campaign wants you to believe, Biden's campaign, they want you to believe that we have a health crisis, or excuse me, we have an economic crisis because we have a health crisis and we have a health crisis because Trump, this is the new, this is the new rhetoric, the new, the new narrative, buckle up because this is going to be what they stick to through the election. So we have a health crisis because Trump, of course, ignored it. That's the storyline. That's the narrative. Forget the fact that there were shutdowns of travel and forget the fact that even as that was happening, Nancy Pelosi was telling people to come out to Chinatown and celebrate. There was nothing to fear. Forget about the stuff that we heard in New York City where you heard people like Bill de Blasio downplaying the risk of coronavirus. Forget all of that stuff. Forget that. Forget people calling Trump uh, xenophobic for his travel ban against China. Forget that. That doesn't exist. The media will make sure that that's scrubbed from existence. I don't even know if you can Google that stuff anymore. You may have to go to DuckDuckGo to find something like that. But this is this is now what we're focused on. And so Obama, excuse me, Biden, you can say, oh, Biden, Obama, as, as Biden seems to prefer that you do. Biden tells us he had nothing to do with this, this strategy back in 2000. The end of 2016, early 2017, to cause interference to to prevent Trump's administration from doing the things that he ran, uh, that he promised the American people he would do. 
And so they began to come up with a strategy, and they started formulating this idea, this stupid, stupid, stupid thing that they called Trump-Russian collusion. And so if you follow the logic of Andrew McCarthy, and he says there was one person in the incoming administration that would have been able to uncover uh, this strategy and get to the source of the problem, the source of the deception, the source of the campaign, if you will, the campaign to use Trump-Russia collusion as the narrative for the next however many years they can get away with this silly nonsense. But McCarthy says Flynn Flynn was targeted because he was someone who could have pieced together the puzzle and figured out what was going on and, and bring this issue to light sooner. And so maybe the administration, the Obama administration, knew this, and so they went after Flynn. And we're talking the final days, the final days of their serving in capacity as you know the executive branch, the Obama administration. They decided to unmask the identity of Michael Flynn. Of course, this was the beginning of the government going after Michael Flynn and then targeting, you could say, certainly certainly a very clear possibility that that's what's happened, that that is what happened back in February, or excuse me, uh, the beginning of the term in 2017. Of course, we now know that the, the targeting led Michael Flynn to eventually take a plea deal. The plea deal landed Michael Flynn uh, with a sentence, and Michael Flynn Michael Flynn is now being exonerated by the Justice Department from some of the recent findings. Of course, we've got this judge, this judge who isn't, isn't completely down with the idea of the DOJ dropping charges dropping the charges and simply releasing Michael Flynn. In fact, he's appointed some Obama supporters, some radical uh, radical judge to make the case as to why Michael Flynn should not be released. So now we're going to go through these shenanigans, even though it's, it's the law. As I understand it, the law is pretty clear. And again, I'm not an attorney, but if the DOJ decides to drop these charges, Michael Flynn, the judge should should accept that, but he's not accepted that. So we've got this whole series of events, this whole series of events that seem to be consistently targeting Michael Flynn. And then the narrative is that Republicans are trying to bend the rules to free Michael Flynn, even though even though the reason Michael Flynn, uh, Flynn pled guilty was because he agreed to a plea bargain. And given, you just have to put yourself in his position. You know, some people in a they they want to look at this situation. They want to look at the world through a lens that's just not accurate. It's not Michael Flynn. Michael Flynn didn't accept the plea deal simply because he was. It, it doesn't it doesn't follow that just because Michael Flynn accepted the plea deal that he is truly guilty. It might mean. It might mean that he accepted the deal because he knew what he was up against. He knew that had he fought the deep state, that the the consequences for uh, what they were targeting him for. Remember, we saw we saw the notes. 
we see what the the FBI they they had a an objective to get this guy. It wasn't to get to truth. It wasn't to investigate to figure out what happened. It was investigate to take this guy to take this guy down. And so you have all this damning evidence on one side. And what's the narrative that Trump and corrupt DOJ uh, you know leader William Barr wants to use his power, abuse his power to get out of jail someone who's a supporter of Trump. Meanwhile, the amount of evidence that shows that he was targeted, he being Michael Flynn, targeted for his relationship with Trump, his being a part of the Trump team, his experience with intelligence when looking at things like the stupid Steele dossier, the Russian collusion argument, it seems to be a very reasonable thing to believe that he was targeted. He was targeted because they wanted to do their best to cover their tracks. Meanwhile, we've got Biden says he's not a part of this. Biden's out there saying on Good Morning America as he's hiding in his basement. Going to continue hiding in his basement too, by the way. I don't blame him. I wouldn't want this guy out there either. But Biden's hiding in his basement, interviewed on Good Morning America, saying he had nothing to do with any of this. His name is been, has been released. His name has been released by Richard Grinnell. He released the documents showing who has unmasked, unmasked the identity of Michael Flynn, and Biden's name's on there. So it's Clappers, so it's Brennan's, so it's Samantha Power. Samantha Power has no idea. She has no recollection of this. This is a common strategy employed that you can trace back at least to Hillary Clinton, possibly further, but trace back to uh, the way that the deep state Democrats respond to things. I, I don't remember that. I just it, I, I can't put my finger on you know doing that. I just can't quite remember asking for the identity to be. Uh, of, of Michael Flynn to be unmasked. I just, I can't remember doing that in the final days, the waning hours of the Obama administration. I just don't recall that. We're supposed to buy that, but Biden's name's on it, folks. So not only is he hiding in the basement, Biden is also hiding his involvement, what he knows about this Michael Flynn thing. This is nowhere near over. They want this to go away. In fact, Biden's out there saying this is a diversion from Trump's inability to handle this coronavirus. Anyway, talk about more about this after the break. I got to take a quick time out. You're listening to the home of conservative, not bitter talk. I am your host, Todd Huff. Back in just a minute. So, so talking here about Biden this morning, talking about his involvement in hiding, or excuse me, he's hiding, Biden's hiding, as folks have been saying. I like that, by the way. He's hiding in the basement. He is trying to wage a campaign where he does as little as possible, where he goes to friendly sources. He goes to MSNBC, for example, to... answer questions about Tara Reid, or you could say actually deny those, uh, anything even happened. Well, he did. He denied completely everything. But So he's he's going to friendly 
news uh, outlets, news networks, whatever, from his basement. But now he's hiding. He's hiding his involvement with Michael Flynn, wanting you to believe he's got nothing to do with this. Remember, he's he's a part of the only administration in history, in modern history anyway, that's a scandalous uh, – excuse me, not a scandalous, one that has no scandal, right? Obama – the Obama administration was supposedly one that had no schedule. I wrote about this in our last uh, newsletter that just went out on, on Tuesday. I wrote about this, the, the lie, the lie that they want you to believe that Obama's administration had no scandal is insane. Of course there were scandals. There were many scandals. You can possibly add another one to this that Trump is terming Obamagate again. You look at what the deep – this is all – what our government has been doing over the course of time, how it has gone from this, this novel concept of governing because of the consent of the governed. They accept that as their responsibility. They understand that that is the source of their – of their power in limited areas, right, constitutionally. They have been entrusted by the people to govern, to manage certain things, but not to expand. They've gone from that constitutional framework and understanding into one that says we're going to build, we're going to build a system whereby we will continue to enrich ourselves, empower ourselves, Give ourselves all sorts of, I mean, take your pick. You can, you know, pathways to, uh, you know, get ambassadorships, uh, contracts with uh, certain uh, certain segments of the private sector. Um, we're going to enrich ourselves. We're going to defend what's ours, and we're going to fight against those who talk about reducing the size and scope of government. Trump being, of course. One of the lead voices on that. And what's different about Trump is he's not one that just says it. He's not just one that said it and then didn't do anything about it. This guy, like it or not, has implemented or tried to implement the things that he has promised on the campaign trail. From, I mean, take your pick build the wall, cutting taxes, reducing bureaucracy, all sorts of things like that. Good things like that. And by the way, the reason the economy was humming along was because of a combination of those things. And they had confidence in Trump. They knew for the first time in eight years that they didn't have the boot, the government's boot pressed against the metaphorical throat of the business community. They felt like they could breathe. That's why the economy, that was pent up. A lot of that stuff was pent up, uh, pent up growth potential and and demand and so forth in the economy that just couldn't materialize because there was a a fear of the of our government folks. And so we have professional lifers in government. You know, used to I laugh at I do. I laugh at the notion. When I hear someone tell me they're running for office, I got to be careful here because some people mean this. But when I hear people who have been in D.C., how about this? When I hear people who have been in D.C. for, I mean, years and years, decades, telling me how they've been a public service, I want to laugh in their faces. 
I do. I want to laugh in their faces because, folks, the gig is up. We know that they're not public servants. We know that. These folks are, again, professional deceivers. These folks are there to protect what they believe is theirs. They have carved out a rule, and they don't want to let go. They like they like the easy money. They like to be able to go up to the podium and go in front of the cameras and get praise from the media, be given an opportunity to divide this this country in a lot of ways based upon something superficial, race, gender, ethnicity, something on the surface, not the not the heart of people, not the soul of people. We all have this yearning for freedom, this yearning to be able to live the life that we choose. They want to instead, instead of causing us to, I guess, you know, kind of unify around that concept, instead they want us to be so many different groups of people. And then they want to say one group is targeting another group. And, of course, there's individual idiots out there, people who do things that are racist or homophobic or xenophobic and all these things. But the idea, the idea, and I'm telling you, some of the Democrats, some of the radical leftists really believe if you're a Trump supporter, you you have to be you have to be a racist. You have to be a xenophobe. You have to be, you know, a homophobe. They really and truthfully believe this. They, I mean, they, they live in their bubbles. They probably don't know a single conservative all they know are these these mythical uh, avatars that are created in the minds of people, demonizing conservatives, or one particular individual that behaves badly is branded as a conservative, whether he is or isn't, and that becomes the uh, the, the the person that the uh, liberal elitist inside his or her ivory tower on some one of the two coasts. Views conservatives. They don't know anybody in their in these circles. They don't live in places where people are governed by common sense, good old fashioned values, morality. There's something they have no idea about in many cases, and and this this just basic belief in these American principles. They don't believe that. They don't like this country in a lot of ways. They simply don't. They're there to change it. They believe. They are there to do what is best on behalf of the American people, whether or not we want it or not. And so if someone comes along like Trump, they are going to have – I mean there there are texts about this from Peter Strzok, an insurance policy, right? We have to get an insurance policy against the possibility that this guy is going to win the election. You know, it's like you're – what do you say? Some healthy 40-year-old, you still get a life insurance policy. That's kind of – what we want to do here, protect against the unlikely event that Donald Trump wins the White House. If he does, we want to have we want to have ammunition to go after this guy. We want to be able to make sure he's not going to dismantle, take down whatever the deep state. And folks, this is a this is a this thing is alive and well, even with even with three and a half years of Trump dismantling it. That's what we're I mean this the evidence is everywhere for those that want to see it. The other strategy is to demonize Trump in every way imaginable. To make this I mean you have folks it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. P- people have targeted the drug hydroxychloroquine because Trump was out there touting it. People literally rooting against hydroxychloroquine. And I'll even put Rita Hanks up there at the top of the list. She had the the combination. She wouldn't give the drug credit for making her better, 
And who knows, although it's a, it is ironic that she even admits after taking it, she began to feel better. But she, even though she wouldn't assign that outcome, she wouldn't say that it did good. She was ready to say all the, the negatives that came along with, with having the drug, which really came down to feeling like she had muscle aches and fatigue from what I could ascertain from her from her comments. But you had people rooting against the drug rooting against its ability to work to help save the lives of people with COVID-19 because Trump's out there saying good things about it. I mean, it's insane. This is, this is how they view everything. Everything is political. Everything is political. What you eat, what you drink, what you drive, what you wear, where you shop, all these things, political. And they don't want someone coming in. They don't want someone coming in and breaking up the system that they've been so uh, so deliberately building, so uh, just you know focused and intent on building over the course of time. And there's lots of reasons for this. People want more power. People want more security, financial security. They want higher paying jobs. They they get appointed to jobs and they hire one another back. It's like a it's like a good old boy network. The government is. D.C. is one of the The counties surrounding D.C. are amongst the wealthiest counties in America, and they want you to believe and me to believe that this is all about public service. Baloney. This is about power, and this is about wealth. This is about arrogance. This is about condescension for the American people. They think that those people in the D.C. area know what's best. Nobody from outside of the political establishment need come in to try to fix this. For a myriad of reasons, and if you try to do it, there will be political hell to pay. Ask Michael Flynn. Look at Donald Trump. Look at what they've done here. They are circling the wagons, trying to protect one another, trying to do whatever it takes to prevent the deep state and their little cushy jobs they've created from unraveling. Their positions of power and and authority in the lives of the average American person, they don't want to lose that. This to me isn't difficult. And this, by the way, is precisely the sort the sort of thing that our founders warned against and tried to prevent against. And I've got to take a break. Before I do that, before I do that, I want to mention here, I want to mention that one of our advertisers, Economy Heating, Air Conditioning, and Plumbing, is offering installation projects of complete furnace and air systems installed during the month of May. They're offering several different options to help you as the uh, as the customer, as the American consumer, get this economy back up and running. And this is all during the month of May. Instant rebates and 0% financing from Train, which is America's most trusted brand for six straight years. They're going to help you with applicable rebates from utility companies, $500 discounts after all of the other offers that they are providing. And $500 will be donated to the nonprofit charity of your choice. Again, to help those organizations that are struggling during these difficult times. And you can mention, you can have your own charity, nonprofit that you want to support, but you could also use those funds to help out our friends uh, at Shepherd Community Center. Your choice, but just uh, something you could choose to do if you're looking for a nonprofit. That being said, got to take a time out. Listening to Conservative Not Better Talk, I'm your host, Todd Huff, back in just a minute.
up, up. Got to get the screen back on. There we go. So we been talking about the deep state, Biden, Biden, Hyden, Hyden, not just in his basement, but also Hyden from his involvement in the unmasking of Michael Flynn. So I we, we've talked about that this morning, but I also want to talk about a couple of other things. Number one, oh, there's a couple of other things I want to get to. I just won't have time today. Um, California, talk about this quickly. California had a special election, a Republican versus Democrat, special district, uh, a special election for a congressional seat, Republican Mike Garcia runs against Katie Hill, and she's conceded the race. She's conceded the race. Republicans, by the way, this is for the 25th Congressional District in the People's Republic of California. They, uh, Republicans haven't won this seat since, I want to say 20, is it 22 years? 22 years ago. Yeah, I think it was 19... 19- 98, the first time Republicans have won this seat since 1998. Hillary won this district by six points back in 2016. And I believe, at last check, there were still some votes to be tallied here. But the percentages, uh, percentages of the final vote tally show that Mike Garcia, the Republican, wins with 56%. Christy Smith the Democrat wins with 44%. So that's a 12 point, 12 point victory. 12 point victory in that, in that, uh, yeah, I'm sorry. I, I erroneously said he picked up Katie Hill's seat that he, he picked up Katie Hill's seat. He didn't beat Katie Hill. So that was my mistake, but he, he wins by 12 points. He wins by 12 points. That, folks, is an 18-point swing. Hillary won this by six points. And if if you're comparing, and this is how people look at this, I'm not saying it's even right, but they, they say Hillary won this by six points in 2016. 2020 special election, the Republicans win by 12 points. That's an 18-point swing um, showing that Maybe Trump isn't as big of an albatross as some believe. Trump was pushing hard for Garcia. This was held up to be a bellwether regarding where we find ourselves in 2020. Are people, uh, you know, where's the energy? Where are people uh, pleased with Trump and what he's doing? Are they, do they hate Trump? Do they want him gone? Now, again, this is one election. Elections, I think, are ultimately, I think, because uh, it's hard to say in the world of everything being political. If you put an R by your name, you're going to have certain people that are going to press it and certain people that will never press it. Maybe those numbers are bigger than even what we realize, but races are won by individual candidates. So there's certainly something to be said about Mike Garcia winning this this seat, but does that signify a larger movement for Republicans? If this is true for Democrats, if you can lose a seat in a very blue state like California, one that I would even call and have called the People's Republic of California, an insane state, an insane state. If you have a district that you've held for 22 years, 
won the uh, one that Hillary won, a district that Hillary won by six percentage points back just about four years ago, and you lose that seat just a few months before the general election when Trump is going to go up against Joe Biden, is this not something that's concerning to you? It should at least get your attention. Now, they try, might try to blow it off. They might try to minimize it. They might try to you know, blame it on a number of things. And, of course, there could be other reasons. But this is something worth keeping our eye on, something worth uh, paying attention to because this is big news. This is a big victory for Republicans, and it's just something that we need to keep in mind as we move towards the 2020 election. You're going to see all sorts of polls. You're going to see Biden up in most of these polls. You're going to see uh, maybe Biden up in massive, by massive numbers. But just remember this, and just remember 2016, and just remember we haven't even begun the final campaign yet. And this economy, if things continue to uh, improve with this COVID situation, this economy, I think, is, is poised for some recovery, maybe even dramatic recovery, not predicting a V-shape, so to speak. But I am saying that there are many good reasons, many reasons to believe that this is um, this could be something that happens positively between now and then. Of course, Republican, or excuse me, Democrat governors don't want this to be the case. In fact, Rush made a comment yesterday that I want to I want to speak about as well, referencing Democrat governors uh, and the economy. We'll talk about that when we get back. But I've got to take a time out. You're listening to the home of conservative, not bitter talk. I'm your host, Todd Huff. Back in just a minute. Welcome back. So Rush yesterday, maybe the day before, I think it was the day before, Rush says that blue state governors want to ruin the economy. Now, I know some folks get highly upset about this, and I understand we're led to, we're led to believe that we have to just give all these folks the, the benefit of the doubt and that all these decisions are made um, purely based upon what's best for their particular states. And we have to be careful because it, there is a legitimate threat here. I'm not minimizing that. And by the way, I'm sure you've seen that the states like Georgia have seen a decrease in the number of new COVID cases since beginning the process of reopening. I think Indiana's down 9% uh, with a rolling seven-day average for the past two weeks as well, which is where I am. So folks are beginning to see um, that we're trending towards fewer cases, and hopefully that continues, no guarantee. But Russia's saying, look, look, we've got states here, the ones that want to lock down and not let anyone work, the ones that want to threaten the likes of Elon Musk and his factory, his Tesla factory is, of course, the People's Republic of California, although they've since seemed to have capitulated there and um, turned away from that that particular path that they were on. But nonetheless, nonetheless, you look at the states that want to keep everything locked down. And I'm talking down for lockdown for months. Some of these folks, I mean, they're talking about what the, the mayor of Los Angeles, Garcetti, wants to keep things locked down. I don't even remember that it's it's way out into the future. 
90 days or some, some such thing. Uh, D.C., locked down until July, right, I think. And Russia's out there saying, look, they want, they, they're, they're rooting for an economic, economic problems in November. Now that, look, I know some people get really worked up about that. How dare you make this accusation? I'm simply sharing what he's, what he's saying. But let me say this. Let me say this. We know that they're cheering for a bad economy because they were cheering for a bad economy before coronavirus, before all this. In fact, I've, I've played the soundbite before. I don't have time to play it now. But Bill Maher back in 2000, I think it was 18, said the only way basically Trump's going to win is if we have a recession, and he's ready for that to happen. He knows it's going to harm people, but he said, hey, we've got a guy here in the United States running the show that's going to destroy our country as we know it. A little dramatic if you ask me, especially when the guy's trying to undo things that were destroying our country, namely creating the circumstances whereby we have the uh, abuse of government like we had with Michael Flynn as just one example, one terrible example. But Bill Maher says, I don't, you know, I don't care. I know it's going to hurt people personally for the short term. Of course, he's, he's well off. He's going to be okay. He doesn't care. But they're rooting for bad, econo- uh, bad economies, a bad economy nationally or even bad locally. Russia's saying that the red states, the ones that are opened, are going to produce the wealth, which of course is what's going to happen. If you're closed down, you're not producing anything. I don't know. Ideologically, they still believe that the government can produce it by simply entering a number into a computer system and then disseminating that number into bank accounts around the, around the country, I guess. They believe that that's how you create wealth, but it's created – it's created by the hard work and the, uh, you know, just just what the the private sector does. That's where the wealth comes from. But Russia's out there saying that the blue state governors are cheering for bad economies, relying upon the red states, the ones that are opening, to carry them through. And ultimately, they can point to President Trump for causing great economic damage. Great economic damage when in reality what's doing that is the lockdowns that we're seeing. Again, not saying that there should be you know mass reopenings. Just, we've been through this ad infinitum here, but I, I just think – or ad nauseum. But I, I think that we he, – he's on to something here. Everything's political, and I've got to take a break. You're listening to Conservative Not Better Talk. I'm your host, Todd Huff. Back in just a minute. Welcome back. So, again, I'm going to post that article, post that um, transcript, I guess, from what Rush was saying about the blue state governors not wanting, not wanting the economy to do well, rely on the red states. And, of course, there's always a political implication here, political intention. Never let a crisis go to waste. I mean, that should be etched into the minds of of every single American. We should be aware of how the Democrat Party and politicians in general, I don't want to give everyone a free pass here, but it was the Democrat Rahm Emanuel who actually coined the phrase, never let a crisis go to waste. And so if there's an opportunity to use something to your benefit to stop 
someone from the other political party, in this situation, Donald Trump and the Republicans. We are incredibly naive to think that they won't try to do that. And to take even action to uh, further, you know, to, to make the situation worse, I don't put past some of these folks. I just don't for political purposes, for election purposes. And here we are. You got, they got to look at their candidate and think we don't have a very good situation here. So anyway, guys, no hour or two today. Again, I'm sorry about that. A couple things to do behind the scenes. SDG, see you tomorrow. Take care. 